So, we're Bhagavad Gita, Chapter 4, Class 63, Yoga of Renunciation of Action in Wisdom. So on Topic 4, the 12 Yagnyas. We're covering the last two verses, verse 29 and verse 30. So, when we worship gods, this is objective worship, meaning you need an object to remind you of God. Even an idol or a wonder of the world or something. With objective worship, you, you tend to believe that God is outside. Now, the God is outside of you. You and God are different. Separate. As you become more spiritually evolved by gaining knowledge of the self, you need less of an expression. It becomes subjective, internal worship. Since you understand God is within you, you don't have to go searching for God outside, He is within. And as you understand that, it becomes subjective. So this is what this topic is talking about, how to internalize prayer worship. The two main aspects of yajna are the offering and the kindling. This concept allows us to think of Brahman in all our actions, whatever we are doing. Every action converted into a yajna, a worship. Any questions? I'll try again, see if this works. Any questions? So, life is made up of receipt of stimuli, reaction in the mind and intellect, and then you respond back into the world. And we're receiving stimuli constantly from the world. And the response is based on your vasanas. If you have a vasana for that stimuli, then you will respond. The more desires, more response, more extroverted. We covered this last week. Less desires, less response, introverted. Verse 28 we covered last week, dealt with the response back to the world. So the response back to the world using our organs of action. Arms, legs, speech. The organs of action is the ahuti, the grain, the ghee, and we discuss what is kindled. And it was split into four yagnyas. 
Yajna of wealth, austerity, yoga, and self-knowledge. What was Yajna of wealth? Anyone? Response back to the world. What is Yajna of wealth? Well, responding back to the world. One of the yagnya is yagnya of wealth. Means when you gift material wealth to someone. When you give some of your wealth to another, your wealth decreases and the receiver's wealth increases. Your wealth is the offering and the receiver's wealth is the fire kindled. You worship that. Next one, yajna of austerity. What was yajna of austerity, anyone? Remember the four we covered? How do you respond back to the world? Based on service and sacrifice. What's yajna of austerity? Yeah, Nilam? It's when you physically do something um, of service. Yeah. And you're using your body to help or, you know, make food or something like that. Okay. So you're giving your physical body, your time, your comfort to one that needs help. This is a subtler sacrifice than giving wealth. So the oblation here, the ahuti is your body. With it, you kindle the fire of the person receiving physical benefit. Any questions on that? The third is yajna of yoga. This is a greater sacrifice than wealth and physical sacrifice. It's a service to help others evolve spiritually, teaching them, explaining to them the higher values of life, how to unite with the self. But most people are not able to convey this. So yoga yajna could also mean helping someone emotionally helping someone intellectually, offering your services from the mind and intellect, emotions. So the offering is your mind and intellect, your wisdom, and what is kindled is another person's spiritual development or material development. So this is higher than giving wealth or physical help. I'm only covering last class. So the offering, ahuti, is your mind, emotions, intellect, your wisdom, and what is kindled is another person's well-being. Is that okay, Dipavin? And the last is yajna of self-knowledge. This yajna is the highest form of service and sacrifice. It kindles the knowledge of self through wisdom. We said it was achieved through self-discipline, rigid vows, study of the scriptures, contemplation, meditation, self-realization of the self. Greatest service you can do is study and reflection yourself. Learn, gain knowledge of the self, your true being, become self-realized. You then communicate the self to all beings. No human being can perform any greater service than this. Does everyone understand that? Those were yajnas, I think, six, seven, so five, six, seven, eight, four, 
today is so we now cover the next two verses which concludes this topic the 12 yagniya so we'll do verse 29 any questions before we begin No one. Apane juvati pranam, prane panam tatha pare, prana panagati rudva, prana yama parayanaha. Apane juvati pranam, prane panam tatha pare, prana panagati rudva, prana yama parayanaha. Yet others offer a sacrifice prana, outgoing breath, into apana, incoming breath, and apana into prana restraining the courses of prana and apana. Some are absorbed in pranayama, breath control. I know it sounds complicated. So simple is breathing. It's talking about breathing, the simplest things, yeah? This is the 10th yajna. Prana is inhalation. Apana is exhalation. Together, they sustain the three transactions of life, which are receipt, reaction, and response, which I covered. We receive stimuli from the world. It responds with our mind and intellect, our vastness, and then we respond. Without breathing, you cannot do anything in life. You cannot function. You wouldn't be alive. So what this is saying is, when you breathe, what happens? When you breathe, what happens? Take a deep breath. Everyone take a deep breath. What happens? Is everyone taking a deep breath? What happens? When you can't breathe, take another deeper breath anymore. What happens? You out them, you breathe Excel. out. Thank you, Ravi. You saved me. <laughs> you take a deep breath, automatically it triggers exhalation. Incoming breath, outgoing breath. Remember, um, what's that? What's the Swami's name? Ramdev. This is what he teaches. Pranayam. Pranayam, apana and pana. So the 10th yajna is breath and breath control. And you might say, why? Why breath control? Very, very important. Because without breathing, you can't do anything in life. You're dead. It's the most important thing. So remember in fire worship, what is ahuti offered? What is offered in a fire worship? Anyone? What is worship? What in fire worship? What is offered? What is ahuti? Ghee and grains. 
What is kindled? Fire. So here, inhalation, prana, is the ahuti, offering. And what is kindled is apana, exhalation. It's quite straightforward. It sounds technical, but it's just, that's all it is. The video seems to be stable now, yeah, Ravi? That's all it is. Prana, apana. That's the yagnya. Can you imagine remembering Brahman every time you breathe? This is what it's saying. Remember Brahman every time you breathe. It's impossible. You won't be thinking of anything else. So what this verse is saying, you offer prana, inhalation, into apana, exhalation. And then apana exhalation into prana inhalation. Okay, that was too much, wasn't it? Let's see. And this continues throughout your life. No breath means no life. Video's playing up again. Yeah, let's see if it stabilizes automatically. If not, I'll turn it off. So this is another yagna going on continuously in our lives. One serves as the offering, the other becomes the fire kindled. Does everyone understand that? Breathing, in and out. The offering of one and the kindling of the other establish another yagnya. So what this is trying to say is you don't need grains. You don't need ghee. You don't need to create a fire and pollute the place. You know, people can't breathe when you've got a fire. You don't have to do any of that to do, to, 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 to do a yagnya, to think of God. You don't need to do that. Save the wood, save the ghee for your rice. You don't need to go to a temple, church or mosque to be inspired to think of God. This is what this topic is trying to say. If you're highly developed, anything in life can make you think of God. It all depends on your outlook to life, your own spiritual development. Wordsworth in his poem, The Daffodils, one of the poems we cover in this course, saw a field of daffodils in the Lake District, and it made him think of God. You, if you get the poem online, you can read it. Or if you've got the poems book or the full works, it's in there. Daffodils. William Wordsworth. You might see a coconut. Think of God. How would you think? Why would a coconut make you think of God? How can a coconut make you think of God? This is one I made up just now, by the way. How can a coconut make you think of God? How did the water get in there? It's so pure. You don't have to do anything. Just open it and drink it. Tastes like nectar. Who can create that? Man can't create it. Something higher has to have created that. Can a human being create a coconut? We can go to the moon and back. Can we create a coconut tree? Impossible. 
So the more extrovert, the more expression of God you need. You need to go to temples, mosque, church. Nothing wrong in doing that. The more introvert, more developed spiritually, you need less of an expression to remind you of God. This is what this topic is saying. Prayer can be, become subjective, internalized. Even the process of breathing, if you are in tune with yourself, it can make you think of the higher. This is what this verse is saying. What makes me breathe? When you stop breathing, people say, oh, Atman is gone. Isn't it? When you stop breathing, they say, Atman is gone. Any questions? So this verse is talking about 10th yagna is breathing. Breathing in and out is another yagna. Nilam, paragraph one, please. Verses 26, 27, 28 cover the three aspects of life's activities, receipt of stimuli, reaction to them within oneself, and responses back into the world. This verse defines the 10th yagna in terms of prana, inhalation, and apana, exhalation. Together, they sustain the above three transactions of life. You offer prana into apana, and apana into prana. In both, one serves as the uhuti and the other becomes the fire kindled. When exhalation is complete, when it dies away, inhalation is automatically kindled. Inhalation cannot take place unless the air has been exhaled. Similarly, one cannot exhale until inhalation has taken place. The offering of one and the kindling of the other establishes another yagnia. Thank you. Any questions? So that's yagnia number 10. So that leads on to yagnia number 11. Still has a question. Am I, I don't know if I'm wrong. I thought yagna was about, um, yes, developing spiritually, but also sacrificing. Mm -hmm. So in breathing in and out, although you're, if you're able to remember Brahman with every breath, you're developing, but what are you sacrificing? It's saying you're sacrificing, it's saying you're sacrificing your breath, inhalation and exhalation. And they both go one after the other. And that is a yagnya. Yeah? The fact that you're thinking of Brahman, that in itself, breathing is allowing you to, the, the sacrifice of your inhalation, exhalation, is a yagnya, which, which if you remember, makes you think of the self. It's very subtle. Yeah. You're sacrificing your breath in order to get to self-realization. Yeah, you're allowing the breathing yagnya to help you to think of something higher. It is quite subtle. You know, when you're giving ghee and uh, um, wood, Everyone understands it, but we're becoming so subtle now that it's difficult to understand without thinking about it. Is that okay, everyone? So don't worry too much if you don't get it. I'm gonna summarize at the end. You don't need to remember all of these things, but it's here, so I have to cover it. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. 
Breath in and breath out is the ghee, and what is kindled is the the fire, is the exhalation. Exhalation is the ahuti, and what is kindled is the inhalation, etc., etc., etc. That's what it means. That's what this verse is saying. Yeah. Is that okay with everyone? Yeah. Okay. So the 11th yagna is that of inner strength. And this leads on from the breathing. And I'll explain why. When you control your breathing, apana and prana, what happens? You gain breath control called pranayama. Ramdev teaches this. Pranayama. When you say pranayama, you automatically think of Swami Ramdev. This is what he teaches. So now you know why he teaches this. Because if you have breath control, what happens when you have breath control? You have inner strength. When you breathe in and out, what are you doing? What are you taking in? Shilabin, what are you taking? I know you said it. Tell everyone what happens when you breathe in and out. Taking in oxygen. You're taking in oxygen. Through breath control, your body absorbs vital nutrients, vital air it's called, meaning oxygen. With the intake of oxygen, it provides you with inner strength. Where does the strength come from? Oxygen. If you break it down to the most subtlest, it's oxygen, isn't it? If you breathe out too much air or not breathing enough air, you lose breath control. You lose inner strength. Any examples? When do you lose inner strength? Any idea? Who does workout here? Who goes exercise? Let's say you go swimming. Prim Nilam, go. I mean, I don't, I don't anymore, but when I used to run, <laughs> your breathing becomes so shallow, you're not taking enough breath, like, you, you know, you're so exerted, you're not taking enough oxygen, and, you know, it's like you're exhaling more. So is that kind of an example? What happens when that happens? Then you get really fatigued, your muscles get fatigued, and you, you know, it gets harder to keep going, and you want to stop or you get a stitch. <laughs> what happens? You lose energy, you lose strength, yeah. inner strength. When you have control of breath, you get inner strength. Let's say you go swimming in the sea. A big wave hits you. What happens? A big wave hits you. What happens? Yeah, what happens? Big wave hits you. You go underwater. You try to come up for air. You take a shallow breath. And before you know it, you've gone back under again. You lose control of your breathing. Correct? Yeah. You can't regulate your breathing. Therefore, you lose self-control. You lose that inner strength to go back on the surface because you don't have enough oxygen. You're not breathing enough. Loss of inner strength due to the uncontrol of the breathing. This is what this verse is saying. 
Does everyone understand that? Give another example. Sometimes people get panic attacks. What happens when they have a panic attack? Anyone had a panic attack? What happens? They can't breathe. They sort of temporarily oh. stop breathing. The consequence of that is they lose control of their breathing. And they think they're going to die. No oxygen. Someone says to them, some wise person next to them says, relax, just breathe. Once the breathing is controlled, they become calm again. They're in control of their breathing. Inner strength gained. They lose the inner strength to control themselves. Does that make sense? Lack of oxygen. No inner strength. So what's the yagnya? Proper control of breath is ahuti, kindles the fire of inner strength. What's offered is pranayama. Control of breath and it kindles the fire of inner strength. That's number 12. Number two, paragraph two, Nilam, please. The 11th yagnya is that of inner strength. When you properly regulate apana and prana, you gain breath control, pranayama. Through breath control, your body absorbs vital air, which provides you with inner strength. Excessive or inadequate apana or prana will not promote breath control and inner strength. Hence, one offers proper regulation of breath to kindle the fire of inner strength, thus establishes the 11th type of yagnya. Carry on, please. Again, prana and apana may also be interpreted broadly to mean other intakes and outtakes outputs besides breath. For example, one consumes food and excretes its waste products. In the 11th yagnya, whatever the inputs and outputs, the mere regulation of receipt and response will bring about proper absorption and generate inner strength. Thank you. See, all these actions we are doing throughout our lives and we don't understand any of them. We are doing all these actions. We're breathing in and out all the time, but we don't understand what's, what's going on inside. Any questions? So that's the yagnya of pranayama, verse 30. Pranan praneshu juvati sarve piete yajna vido yajnak sapita kalmasaha apare niyata haraha pranan praneshu juvati sarve piete yajna vido Others with regulated food 
offer prana's life breaths into prana's life breaths. All these are knowers of sacrifice, and by sacrifice have destroyed their sins. This is the last yajna, number 12. This last verse of this topic concludes the cycle of the 12 yajna. The control of the breath, prana, apana, inhalation, exhalation, we gain inner strength. Correct? We said we gain inner strength, last verse. We then use for external activity. Does it make sense? That inner strength you have gained from breathing. What do you use it for? Response back to the world as activity. If you do this, it destroys your sins. How does it destroy your sins by act, acting in this way? What are sins? Anyone? What is sins? What do we consider sins in the spiritual path? Anything that agitates you. That, um, yeah. Obviously, law of the land, that's external, but in spiritual, I believe the sins are what agitates you. What you and where do these agitations come from? Desires. Vasanas. So when someone says sins on a spiritual path, they actually mean vasanas. Vasanas are your sins because that's what's keeping you in the world. And you're creating more and more. Desires. That's what's keeping you in the world. No desires, you're self-realized. So that's the obstacle in your path. Hence, it's called sins. It's not in that verse, maybe, but I'm just explaining what it is. Sins means vastness, because it's the vastness that keeps you in the world. Does everyone understand that? Shalabin? I know sin has a different meaning to most people, but on the spiritual path, it means vastness. Ravi, can you read? The last of the 12 yajnas is yajna, of external activities. The verse speaks of regulated food, ahara. Food in this context could mean not only nutrition taken through the mouth, but other forms of intake by the body. You take in breath through your nostrils, sight through your eyes, sound through your ears, etc. As explained in the previous verse, the proper regulation of these intakes and releases generates strength within. In the 12th and final yajna, one invests the inner strength gained from a regulated life back into the world in the form of external activity. The verse states, pranas are offered into pranas. The first prana refers to the regulated internal activities and consequent absorption of energy. The second prana refers to expression of the acquired energy in the form of external activities. The inner strength is the ahuti offering and the outer activities constitute the fire kindled. This last yajna completes the cycle of activity 
starting with the receipt of stimuli from the world and ending with response back into the world. Thank you. So this 12th yagnya is yagnya of external activities. We finally got there, the 12th yagnya. Rana and apana, inhalation and exhalation we just discussed, can also, in a wider way, mean other intakes and outputs, such as food, excretion. I read this week in another, of this verse in another Gita part. In there, it talks more about how much food you should eat. The quantity of food, quantity of liquids, three quarters stomach full, leave a quarter stomach empty. It talks in that way. It's talking more in detail of regulating the quantity and type of food we consume. That was in another version of Gita. So all the Gita, the explanation is different. In this version of the Gita, food could mean not only food taken through the mouth, but all forms of intake by the body. Breath, stimuli from the five senses. What, are we, what kind of food are we eating? What kind of sights are we watching? What kind of music or sounds are we listening to? What kind of smells are we smelling? It could mean any of those things. Basically, all those things are going in us. So all that should be regulated. We should live, live a regulated control life. That's what he's saying. So what is a regulated control life? This is what the Gita is teaching us. How to live life based on the scriptures. How to live life so you become spiritually developed and reach that goal of self-realization. So in a general terms, it means everything we take in and how we response back. Does that make sense? Any questions on that? So this is how we're, this, uh, this verse is um, explained in this Gita. As I said, in another Gita, Swami Dayananda, I think it was, it was specifically food and liquids. So that's how it varies, the um, explanation. So what this verse is saying, in, in the strength we gain by the proper control of pranayama, intake of breath and oxygen, in the 11th yajna, this gives us inner strength. We discussed that. This is directed back into the world in the form of external activities. The breathing gives us ox, uh, energy. And then we use that to active, be active in the world. Control of intake of breath, oxygen. So when a person is not well, when a person had COVID recently, they were taken to hospital, what do they give them? Oxygen. So they can recover. They give you oxygen because they need oxygen to gain strength. Many people passed away because they couldn't absorb that oxygen.
So if you want your external activities to be 100%, this is what you have to do. Walking on a spiritual path. So the inner strength is the offering. Outer activities constitute the kindling of the fire. Last Ahuti. Last Yagnya. So this 12th Yagnya concludes the series of actions starting with a receipt of stimuli from the world, ending with a response back into the world. This is what this 12th Yagnya is, is telling us. The first Yagnya is receiving perception, now response back into the world. Any questions? Ravi, could you put up that uh, screen, please? Yeah, one minute. Yeah, no worries. I said this topic is quite terse. Yeah, here we go. So this is what we've covered in the last few classes. The 12 Yagnya. Limited ideal, number one. Worldly goals. Absolute ideal, number two. Brahman. Can everyone see that, yeah? Third yagnya, perception. Yagnya, perception. You receive stimuli. Yagnya of individual restraint. Number five, yagnya of yoga of self-control. Number six, external activity, sacrifice of wealth. Number seven, austerity, physical health. Eight, sacrifice of mind and intellect. Nine, sacrifice of self-knowledge. Study wisdom. Number 10, prana and apana. Inhalation, exhalation. Number 11, gains inner strength. Number 12, external activity. So that's one full cycle complete of what we are continuously doing in our life. We're doing this continuously in our life. Thank you, Ravi. Is everyone clear of that? This is what all of us are doing continuously in our life. See how they break it down. Have you ever heard of such an explanation? Any of you? Evel, have you ever heard of such an explanation? 12 Yagnias? It's absolutely amazing. This great sages, thousands of years ago, used to meditate in the caves for weeks, months, years. And this allowed them to look within to understand what is going on inside human beings, how a human being functions. And this is what they came up with. This is what every human being does. So by practicing these 12 yagnyas, you convert all activities into a type of worship. You're thinking of the consciousness rather than your actions. Yeah. You're thinking of the pure consciousness within rather than your actions. And if you do this, you're thinking of Brahman throughout the day. Thinking of God throughout your day. This allows you to exhaust your desires, your vastness. 
Ravi, paragraph two, please, the last paragraph. The 12 types of activities covered in verse 25 to 30 present a brilliant exposition of the entire range of human activity. Together, they show how to convert all human activities into a form of worship. Each yajna has the two essential constitute factors, namely the offering and the fire kindled. Those who understand those forms of yajna can convert their entire lives' activities into worship and exhaust all their sins or vastness desires. Thank you. Any questions? So let's be practical here. Yeah? <laughs> These concepts are difficult to grasp. Yeah, I found it difficult when I was studying it as well. And I don't blame you if you feel a bit lost. But you get a, you get the idea. That's the main thing is you get the idea of what they're trying to say. Yeah, Nilam, you get the idea, general idea. But how do you practice it? It's very difficult to practice this. So why don't we try and take just one thing from this topic? Understand. You are not this body, mind, intellect. You're the spirit, Atman, Brahman, God. Yeah, we all know that. I think you all know that now. A matter of classes you've all been coming to. We are Atman, Brahman. Yeah, we're not this body, mind, intellect. And because of this spirit within us, we're able to function in life. Correct? That's quite straightforward. Yeah. So just choose one of the five senses. You each individually choose whatever five senses, one of the five senses that you can, that you can relate to. Let's say hearing or anyone you wish. Try to remember during the day, whenever you hear a sound, remember what makes me hear is this, is the consciousness Brahman. What makes me hear is the consciousness Brahman. If you've chosen sight, what, what makes me see is the consciousness Brahman. Now, if you do this 10 times a day, you remember to do it 10 times a day, what are you doing? What are you doing? If you remember that it's the pure consciousness that makes me here, what are you doing? You're connecting to the self, your knowledge is there. So you're actually doing the yadnas, aren't you? Absolutely. If you do this 10 times in a day, you're remembering God that many times more than right now. Forget about the breathing, forget about inner strength, forget about all of that. Just choose one. Once you get used to that one, you can expand and choose another one. Of the five senses. See, the five senses are much more gross, so it's easier to identify. Right now, you may do your prayers for a few minutes every morning and nothing for the rest of the day. Correct? Yeah? All of us are in the same boat. We do our prayers in the morning. We don't do anything the rest of the day. This way, you're increasing your thought flow towards the higher many times more.
Does that make sense? Did everybody make sense? If you do this, what will happen? Anyone, what will happen? Right now, your thoughts are extroverted, worldly. By thinking of Brahman, God, the spirit, 10 times in a day, your thoughts become more introverted. You think of the higher so many times more. You're thinking of, you're thinking of that introvertedness within. And at a grosser level, your actions become more unselfish. You'll be, you won't be doing any wrong actions. Brahman will always be there. You, you identify Brahman all the time. That many times, you'll stop doing um, uh, selfish actions. You become more sattvic. You're, you become more sattvic. You'll be aware of the type of actions you're performing because of that. Any questions? So just try and practice it that way. Pick one. That's the end of this topic, the 12 yagnas. It is one of the most terse, difficult to understand in the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. In this version of the Bhagavad Gita. In the other versions, it may be easier. In this version, it's very, very difficult to understand this. All of us were scratching our heads in the ashram. That is the 12 yagnias. So what happens when you do the 12 yagnias? That's the next topic. All yagnias culminate in wisdom. Now we're gonna start that next week. All yagnias culminate in wisdom by converting activities into yagnia worship, a seeker drops his vasana's desires and gradually gains knowledge of the self. The supreme most of all yagnias is jnana yagnya. What is jnana yagnya? Knowledge. Knowledge. The supreme most of all yagnyas is jnana yagnya, the yagnya of knowledge. A seeker should prepare himself through devotion, inquiry, and service. With such preparation, he will attract a perfect guru to teach him the knowledge of self. This knowledge destroys all desires and agitations and removes forever his delusion that the world is real. Crazy, isn't it? You learn this and you remove the delusion, the world is real. Wow. Can you imagine the power of it? Makes you forget that the world is real. This is what this knowledge does. So we're going to start that next week. It gets toned down now, yeah, by the way. You don't need a couple of paracetamols after class anymore. It gets toned down. Any questions? So 
it's all about becoming introverted. Spiritual knowledge helps you become introverted. Pujapat, devotional, it's mainly extrovertedness. The majority of the people are extroverted in the spiritual path, as I mentioned before. Very few are introverted. This class has 25 people mainly every week. That is a lot. I'm shocked sometimes why there's so many people. Most classes, I know you get five or six if you're lucky because most people are extroverted. Seriously. When I say I've got 25 students, they, they, they're all shocked, my colleagues. Introvertedness. You all have a certain amount of introvertedness. And that's why. Any questions before we log off? Hopefully I can sort my video out. Any clarifications, any questions? If not, we will end. So think about it. Start practicing. Pick one and see how it works. You're practicing the yajna. Okay, thank you for joining us today.